The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts, and here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Man, it feels so good to win. <sighs> Man, doesn't it feel great? Doesn't it feel great? You know that right now that a bowl game is essentially assured for Mississippi State. We're now jockeying for position. But more importantly, I think we see some progress with this Bulldog team. And as I said on Bo Bound's show this morning, you know, one of the things that used to you know, kind of tickle me about some of y'all is, oh, the air raid's not going to work in the SEC. And some of that is just kind of that self-loathing Bulldog DNA. Like, oh, the air raid's not going to work. And it's, we say it's not going to work because it's ours, right? And then we say, well, you know, the receivers are open all the time. Well, it can't be both. It can't be both. And I said back then, what you're really saying is you're waiting for the maturation of your young quarterback. Well, you're beginning to see that. You're beginning to see Will Rogers figure some things out. 36 of 39, guys, on Saturday. A new SEC record for completion percentage for SEC quarterbacks with 30 or more attempts. That's a pretty cool thing. How about that? Let, let that sink in for a second. You got a bulldog up there. And of those three incompletions, two of those were batted away and one was a drop. Woody Marks had a drop. There was a play inside. It was batted down a pass to, uh, to Makai Polk. And then you had the one where we just didn't get quite enough air under it and uh, probably should have been picked, but it wasn't. And that's the thing, too. We do not adopt the Hugh Kellenberger doctrine here at the Boneyard. There is no such thing as an almost interception. Ole Miss, excuse me, almost interceptions are called incompletions. That's how that works. You want to start talking about almost interceptions in that ball game against Kentucky. Emmanuel Forbes drops one. Colin Duncan drops one. They say, oh, you know, well, Kentucky had four turnovers. Well, you know, we had six up there last year. So either they forced six turnovers or we forced four. It can't be one or the other. It couldn't be, well, you know, they turned it over four times. And then last year they forced six turnovers. So it's one or the other. It can't always be the other guys getting credit. Your Bulldogs deserve credit for winning a huge ball game on Saturday. And listen, I've told you guys all year, I didn't think Kentucky was quite as good as their billing. They were better than I expect them to be. 
But there was no question who the better team was Saturday. And I didn't think it was close. If you had told me that Kentucky was going to tackle so poorly in space, I would have never believed it. We made them look very, very non-athletic, shall we say. Jaquavius Marks made the first guy miss just about every time. Dylan Johnson did some great things. We're utilizing our running backs. We're doing it in a different way than Dan Mullen would have. But we are definitely utilizing our running backs. And I think both of those guys have great years. Really, really great years. So we win the ball game. So we're not going to spend any time beating down Kentucky. Because many people expected Kentucky to win that ball game earlier in the year. As we got a little bit closer and people said, yeah, you know, Kentucky looks a little iffy. Mississippi State's getting better. So we're not going to sit here and, and, and accept any Kentucky slander from anybody. Because they're, they're the same team they were a week ago. It just maybe, maybe, you, maybe you were wrong about Mississippi State. Just think about that. Maybe you weren't wrong about Kentucky. Maybe you're wrong about the Bulldogs. Because, you know, this Kentucky team probably going to go on and be 9-3, and three, maybe even 10-2, and two, and then they have a loss to Mississippi State. Mississippi State, the only team in Division I college football with three wins over the top 25 this, this, this year. How about that? Let that sink in for a second. And I can hear all these things. Well, you know, we're a bad football team. No, no, we're not. We're not a bad football team. We are a maturing football team. We are a young team. People say, well, Steve, you know, I don't really consider sophomores young. Well, you know, then you're wrong. Sophomores are young. That's the reality of life. The nucleus of this offense is very young. Will Rogers, Dylan Johnson, Jaquavius Marks, Jaden Wiley, all those guys, second-year players. Makai Polk rarely played at California. I mean, he played a little bit. He's getting to see his most extensive actions. So he's a relatively inexperienced guy, too, even though he's a junior. And so I say that just because, you know, I, I want to really fully illustrate the point. Our best days are ahead of us. And all year long, I told you guys, I think seven and five is the over under, six and six the floor, eight and four probably the ceiling. When you look around the league right now and you say, you know what, hey, there's – there's four games left to play. Mississippi State is, you know, five and three. None of those games look unwinnable. The Auburn game looks a little more difficult. You know, it, it's always tough for us to go over there and play. But Bo Nick scares me a little bit because of the design quarterback run. We'll get to some of that a little bit later in the show. But the reality of it is, is that we're, we're going to meet expectations this year. Already got five wins with four games left to play. We only won four last year, including the bowl game. We wanted this year to be a, a, a nice step. Get back to a bowl game, have a winning year, and kind of set ourselves up for 2022. And it is a very daunting schedule in 2022. We might actually have a better ball team next year with the same record. But the reality of it is we are getting better as a football team. We're getting better as a football program. I can't wait to kind of break this game down. A lot of big things happen. And, again, there's so many people out there that just didn't want to give Mississippi State any credit whatsoever, including some of our own fans. Well, it was just Vanderbilt. Well, here's the thing about Vanderbilt, and maybe you didn't see this. Vanderbilt should have beaten South Carolina. You think South Carolina saying it's just Vanderbilt? No, they're happy to have a W. And then Vanderbilt gives Missouri all they want on Saturday. And granted, that Missouri defense is not great. But so in the last three ball games, South Carolina should have lost to Vanderbilt. Mississippi State destroys Vanderbilt. And then Missouri survives Vanderbilt. So Mississippi State did what good teams do to bad teams, and that's blow them out. I think it's high time for many of our fans, and I don't really care about the media, but our fans say, you know what, we're a pretty good team. Not a great team. We're not. 
but we're a good team. We're getting better week after week after week after week. All right. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. Had some Bulldog Burger Company last week. It's always great. That's one of the things I love about Bulldog Burger Company is the consistency. I know what I'm going to get. There's so many other places it's hit or miss. One week it's great, the next week it's not. Bulldog Burger Company, consistently great. Doesn't matter if you get a hamburger or the sweet heat chicken sandwich or a great salad. And the salads are always so fresh, so substantial with the portions. You're always going to leave a little something behind. If you get the hamburger, bring some home and give it to their dogs. They enjoy Bulldog Burger Company, too. It's their company, too. Their cousins, the mascot. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive right here in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and, of course, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridgeland Flowood area. That's a baby. Doing a great, great, great work down there. Again, you get what you pay for, really more than what you pay for when you go to Bulldog Burger Company. So while many other restaurants out there are cutting back on portions and charging the same price, that's not the case. Bulldog Burger Company, they know how to feed folks. Go by and check them out, part of a great family of restaurants. And as always, think about the hungry, broke college students in your life and go to eatwithus.com and get some gift cards to give them for the holiday season. They'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. You'll feel good about yourself. It's always nice to do something special for somebody else. A lot of people out there love to be able to take a girl on a date. Or if some of the girls want to take their friends out, let's just have a girls' night. You can contribute to that. Go to eatwithus.com and order those gift cards. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's break down this Bulldog win. Very, very happy to have it. I don't know how you guys feel, but I am elated today. Next home game for us, Tennessee State against an FCS opponent. We feel like six wins are in the bag which gives us three games. And we, we always said, hey, we got to win at least one of those four. You know, Kentucky, Arkansas, um, Ole Miss, Auburn. We got to get one of those four. Well, we've gotten one of the four. And so now we're thinking, okay, hey, well, look, anything is possible at this point. So, and then all that's true. All right, let's jump on this Arkansas game. It's Arkansas. This Kentucky game. We're going to jump on Arkansas, too. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, now I'm picking State to win the game. If you go read the Arkansas message boards, they think we're going to win the game too. After watching that Kentucky game against State, they're like, man, I don't know. Barry Odom's Frankenstein defense might be in trouble against these guys. And let me go ahead and say this, and we're going to break this down more on Wednesday. Guys, we gave them the game last year in Starkville. We did. There was not a hotter team in America than Mississippi State. K.J. Costello was getting talked about potentially being a Heisman candidate, and we blew it. We lose 21-14. to We throw a pick. Early in the ball game, where we're driving, that uh, gives them a touchdown. Greg Brooks Jr., former Bulldog commitment, brings it back. And then later in the ball game, we had two drives that started at the 30 or, or better. You had the uh, fumble recovery by Fred Peters that put the ball right there, basically in the red zone. And then, of course, uh, you know we had the Jaden Wiley punt return and got out to their 30. So neither one of those trips did we get points. We're down seven. We have two drives that begin at or inside their 30, and we come back with nothing. That was us. We blew it. We didn't blow it Saturday against Kentucky. And, again, this is arguably arguably the best game Mississippi State's played this year and perhaps uh, since Mike Leach got here. So we're getting better. We're getting better as a football team. So we win the toss and defer, which is interesting, but I was pretty happy with this. I said, you know, we might be happy 
having that ball first coming out. Because what if we have a lead at the half? We have a chance to kind of go two for one there. Really good chance of that happening. We defer. Not to mention, I really felt confident in the defense. I said, I think we can get a stop. We'll go out there, confuse them a little bit, get a stop, give Will Rogers an opportunity to get on the field in some uh, decent field position. But we do defer. And then Scott Goodman kick off. And uh, they bring it out because the ball comes up short of the goal line. They bring it out from the four, and a big tackle by Jet Johnson stops him at the 20. Jet Johnson having a great year for Mississippi State. Really, really playing well. And I'll be honest with you guys, too. I love Jet to death, man. Got a great dad, great mom, great people. And then, uh, yeah, there were times I wondered, you know what, Jet, this may be a second team or a special teams guy. You know, we'll make some use of that. But Jet has far exceeded expectations. So Kentucky begins to drive at the 20. A little, uh, little swing pass out to the slot receiver. Trying to get Wondell Robinson going for four yards. Cavassier Smoke, one of the better names in college football, runs over the left side for two yards. Jalen Green with a nice stick there. Brings up a third and four. We think we got a chance to get off the field here. And then Will Levis tucks it and runs. And we, we nearly got there. We just couldn't get home. And I really think the Kentucky offensive line did a great job in pass protection. Not in run blocking, did a good job in pass pro. We couldn't quite get there. So we flush him and he scrambles and gets five yards to move the chains. Cavassier smoked and runs for two. It was pretty obvious they were looked in intent here to uh, to establish the run. Just didn't work out. Then a pass complete to Justin Rigg for four. Brings up a third and four. Brings up a third and four. We get there. We flush him. He waggles right. And the receivers are having to work back to him. So you know it's going to be short of the sticks. And he gets it out to Wondell Robinson. And Martin Emerson absolutely tattoos him. Now, here's the deal. A lot of people have said, Steve, I'm eager to hear your uh, your comments about this targeting call. I didn't think it was targeting. I didn't. And the official right there on top of the play also didn't think it was targeting. However, I think it was the back judge, maybe in the field judge, 25 yards away. And I only assumed that because he saw Robinson's head pitch back, because it was such a violent collision, he erred on a side of caution and called targeting. Well, they review it, and Martin actually hit him with his arms first. But... Anytime that you lead with the crown of the helmet, they're going to throw the flag. Now, we get the helmet either side. If we get the helmet ball side or even opposite arm side, we're not going to get a call there. You know, Martin hits him pretty hard. Crowd gets into it. They flag him. Then we lose Martin Emerson on the review. Did not agree with it, but that's the reality of it. I also kind of understand it. And, and, you know, I know that I'm I'm a biased homer for Mississippi State. But when you drop the crown of the helmet for contact, even if you hit a guy in the chest, they're going to call it. That's just the reality of it. Not, and it doesn't seem to always work for us, you know, when, they, when our guys are the ones getting hit. I thought Dylan Johnson got targeted in that ball game, but they didn't flag it. But, uh, but the reality of it is now we're thinking, okay, we're without Fred Peters. Now we're without Martin Emerson. So we're short two starters in the secondary where we play five guys. Now, obviously, they're not a pass-first offense, so I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to kind of exploit that situation. But I was surprised they didn't go right at DeCambrian Richardson. You got a guy that wasn't expected to play a whole lot, and all of a sudden he's out there. And Josh Ali and Wondell Robinson, a pretty good tandem, a wide receiver. But they never really challenged him. Interesting. Very next play, they decide to take a shot. And this is among some of the worst passes that you're going to see in the Southeastern Conference. The ball hangs up, and everybody says, oh, you know, you got to throw that ball on a line or whatever. Listen, that is a long throw, man. That is a really long throw. 
launching from our 45. So we're talking, you know, 40, 50 yards in the air because that ball is targeted outside the numbers. And Sean Preston undercuts the route and picks the ball off. And I wanted to tweet out then, ball don't lie. But that still wouldn't have got us Martin Emerson back. But it was a big play because we're emotional at this point. We've lost Martin Emerson for the game. And Sean Preston comes up with a big, big play at the Mississippi State 6 to give us a little bit of juice here. Juice here. Now, second drive, pretty crazy. We got a couple things going. Couldn't get out of our way. We missed a couple things here and there. But we start with complete to Wiley for five, out to the 11. Uh, Woody Marks and runs over the right side for three. Brings up a very manageable third and two. We hit Makai Polk on the bubble. And that's the thing with him. Unless you get him right at the point of catch, he is going to fall forward. And he, and he runs for three yards here to move the chains. First and 10 at our 17. We go right back to Polk for 13. Already out to, to their 30. Our 30, excuse me. And we're making some things happen. We run over left side with Woody for four. And then this is the play, too, that really kind of changed the complexion of this drive. They run a bit of a stunt there, and uh, we miss picking a guy up. And then Will has the chance to flip the ball out to Woody Marks. I only assume he didn't see him. We take a sack. I actually, if there was a sack or a pressure that was on Will, I, I would give him some accountability here. And I would tell you, Will will tell you the same thing. Will's like, yeah, I got to take check down here. He had Jaden Wiley open on the crosser and had Marks out there in the flat. And, uh, you know, maybe he just decided, you know what, I don't want to take a chance here. And then Josiah Hayes, former Bulldog recruit, Josiah Hayes, played in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, gets a sack there. And good for him. Okay, good for him. As long as it's a loss, right? And then Will Rogers, incomplete to Woody. And that was the, that's the one drop. That's the one drop in the ball game. Is uh, Woody? I don't know what he's going to make the first down there. It's third and eleven. We throw it to him, and I, they were in cloud coverage, so he was going to have to break a tackle or two. And so we line up to punt, and Tucker Day hits basically a line drive, forty-five yards to Josh Ali. The very first guy down is Tulu Griffin. He gets blocked in the back. That is indisputable. The first guy down gets blocked in the back. No flag. They get ready to turn the corner. There's another block in the back. And then they get downfield, and there's a convoy, and then there's a hold. There's three different penalties on the play. None of them get called. It's supposed to be one of the better crews in the league. You've already tagged us with this targeting penalty, and now you're going to let this thing go here. And basically could have been a game-changing play. But the most egregious penalty was the first guy down on the block in the back. How do, you, how do you not call that? It's right, it's right out in open space. Everybody sees it. It's not in traffic. So I'm sure we'll get a letter. We're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. Hey, put this with the other collection of letters. Put it on top of your Memphis letter. We're sorry. We blew it. And you know what? You did. And you got to be better. And that's the thing, too, that irritates me so much. I mean, it really, really does. As we expect our fans to turn out in record numbers, Ticket prices aren't getting any cheaper. Gas is certainly astronomical at this point. We expect everybody to turn out, and if they can't turn out, we expect them to tune in. And we keep trotting these dunces out here and saying, hey, we're calling a fair and equitable game. No, you're not. There has to be better accountability for these officials. And I'm not saying that everything's got to be reviewed. But, you know, if you have guys that miss – this is a game-changing play. And you, because you missed the tackle, I mean, you missed the block in the, in the back – they get a touchdown. 
And it's not nearly as bad as what we saw at Memphis. But the reality of it is, is this is an official aided score for the University of Kentucky. And I'm going to get back to what this, uh, what this play means for Kentucky long term a little bit later in the show. So it's 7 nothing. We finally get the ball back on the kickoff, and it's a touchback. And then, uh, you know, we're complete to Malik for four. Got to get him more involved. He's a big, physical, strong receiver that always seems to break a tackle. We got to get him more involved. Maybe that's on him, but we got to get him more involved. Then we go to DJ for 11. Brings up a first down at our 40. DJ and runs for six. Man, what a great job we do rotating backs, too. We keep Marks and DJ fresh. Later in ball games, we still got some, some, uh, some juice in the tank there. Rodgers then complete to Jaden Wally for 29 yards. A nice catch and run, great route, great throw. If you see the end zone view, and I went back and watched the game yesterday, very, very tight passing window there. Will kind of moves the guy a little bit with his eyes and then comes back to Wally who catches it in stride. 29 yards down to the Kentucky 25. We run DJ then for three, brings up a second seven, and we give up a sack here. Now, this one is on the offensive line. Vito Tisdale, the good job kind of hiding in a lookout position there. You know, he's covered up your inside receiver, so you assume this guy's going to drop in his own. He doesn't. He comes free. We were surprised by it. Will basically has to just kind of duck and cover as Tisdale comes unabated to the quarterback. Brings up a third and 14, and we're incomplete to Polk there. And this is the one that was broken up. The guy undercuts the route. Vito Tisdale, again, makes the play. So a good defensive series for him. And then we attempt a field goal, and Ruiz pushes it right. Not really something we expect, but you're thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. We're thinking at the very least we'll get a field goal out of this and pull within a score. We don't. Among the last things we had to really complain about for a while. So Kentucky takes over at their 29. Completes Ali for five. They run smoke over the left side for six and a first down. Emmanuel Forbes with a nice play on the sideline there. Rodriguez, they throw it to him, and then he fumbles, but he picks it up. We knock him down for a one-yard loss, brings up a second 11. And then Rodriguez gets his really best game of the day. He gashes us up the middle and then dives forward and fumbles the football. But the ground caused the fumble. They initially ruled it Mississippi State ball. They get the ball back. Would have been a big play. But the reality of it is we, we kind of hung in there defensively despite the fact that we didn't get the call there. And it was the right call. It was not a fumble. They run smoke over the left side and back up the middle, brings up a third and six. They find Wondell Robinson for eight in front of Forbes. They did a good job on Forbes' side working those comeback routes. And Wondell Robinson is a lot like Elijah Moore to play at Ole Miss. Really quick twitch guy, very a, a really good route runner. I wouldn't say an elite route runner because he kind of gets by on his quickness. Doesn't always stick his routes. But uh, the reality of it is, is that, uh, you know, the guy can really play. And I've kind of gotten ahead of myself here, too. It's still a 7 nothing ball game at the end of one. That stupid punt. So, Rodriguez then runs over the right side for nine. And then Smoke, no gain, brings up the third and one. And they run the uh, the quarterback sneak. When you got a big, powerful quarterback like him, uh, going under center and running the sneak makes perfect sense. First and ten. Incomplete to Wyndell, Pickering there in the backfield, starting to see Pick do a couple good things too. Second 10, complete to Wyndell Robinson for one yard. Colin Duncan with a very, very nice tackle. And then incomplete to Epps. Brings up the fourth and nine. They kick the field goal. Now it's 10 nothing. Now it's 10 nothing. All right, so then we get the ball back, and uh, 
from this point forward, we kind of took control of the ball game. 12-14 to go in the second quarter. State takes over their own 25. We check it down to Marks. And listen, we talked about it on the show here a couple weeks ago. Last year, it's like every time we checked it down, they're kind of up against the boundary with no room to run. We're running a lot more angle routes and some slants. Those guys are getting on the same page. That's what happens here. Marks, again, making people look silly in space, gets eight. We go back to Woody. On second and two, he gets eight. And then there is the uh, face mask penalty, add 15 onto it. Now we're already across midfield, first and 10, the Kentucky 44. You go right back to Woody, who is a playmaker for us for 14 yards. And then we get a false start on Cameron Jones. And this is when the craziness started. This is when all the craziness started. I've talked to multiple people, not just Mike Leach, not just LaQuinson Sharp, but multiple people that said, you know what, they were barking signals consistently. We finally adjusted to it, but they gave us some trouble with it for a while. This is the first one. We get a drive going, and then Mark Stoops' crew begins to do a little Bush League stuff. And I understand things happen in football. I do. But what does it say about Kentucky when you're in this ball game and – you can't stop us, so you have to resort to these types of things. You can say, well, you know, all's fair in love and war. Well, not really. No. That's why there's a rule against it. And, again, I blame this slaw officiating crew. You know, the umpire is supposed to sit there and watch the face of the quarterback to make sure the sound matches his actions. So what you're telling me is you're not doing that because it couldn't happen consistently. Well, it did. All right, first and 15, but we still found a way. We still find a way. Complete to Makai Polk for six at their 29. Brings up a second nine. We find DJ again for seven. Brings up a manageable third and two. We give it to Woody who breaks a tackle and runs through some guys for 10 yards down to the Kentucky 12. We complete to Marks for seven who gets right inside the five. And then we, we go back to Polk looking for a touchdown. And Quandre Mosley just basically grabs him. He's beat on the play. It's going to be a touchdown. And that's another thing, too. Kentucky can't cover us. It's like we talked last week about they were 36 in the country in pass defense. These guys are not athletic enough. They, they cannot cover. They can't tackle in space. They can't cover. And they can't you know, get you behind the chains without barking some disconcerting signals. What does that say about Kentucky? Nobody's talking about that. You can't cover without interfering. You can't stop the run without the disconcerting signals. You couldn't score a touchdown in the first half without the help of the officials. What does that say? What is that? How, if you're Kentucky, how can you feel good about anything today? If you're, if you are conducting an honest assessment of yourself as a Kentucky Wildcat after this ball game, you've got to think, you know what? We're not as good as we thought we were because you're not. All right. So first and 10 now at the 12, um, excuse me, uh, first and goal at the two, and lo and behold, it's another false start penalty on Cameron Jones. And because what I was told is the offending party was the nose tackle at Kentucky. Brings up first and seven, and then we give it to Woody, and he goes right in and scores. And, uh, again, you take that with your false start penalty and put it in your pipe and smoke it. We kick the extra point. It's now 10-7. Felt like we had the juice, right? Defense comes right back, gives us a three and out. Smoke runs for three. Robinson runs for four. And then it's incomplete to Josh Ali. They punt. Jaden Wally with 11-yard return gets it out to 25. 
Bulldogs have got some things figured out here. We go to Tulu for seven. And I love Tulu on the slip screen, the bubble and everything, because somehow, some way, that little guy finds a way to, to power through and fall forward every single time. Dylan Johnson runs up the middle for 12. We're out to the 44. We go back to Wiley, who gets us across midfield to their 47. Complete to Austin Williams for four. Back to Williams for seven to move the chains and give us the first and 10 um, at their 43. I guess I'm off count. I'm off kilter here. That was the first down play. Makes it second three. Then we find Ford's uh, Christian Ford on a beautifully thrown ball to the sidelines. Basically, you know that seven route. You throw it up there, and Ford a great job of using his body to shield the defender and then get a knee down inbounds. Anytime I see Christian Ford in the ball game, I'm thinking, okay, we're fixing to get a first down. I mean, that's just how I feel when I see him on the field. He doesn't make a lot of catches, but what he does do is very efficient. First and 10 at their 19. We go back to Tulu for nine. Gets us down to second one at the 10. And Will Rogers basically just tucks it and goes. We get the first down here. And it was an awful spot. They credited him with one yard. He had three. He didn't slide here. He just runs. And then the even where he, like his, if you want to mark it where his elbow was, his back elbow, it's still a yard short. If you want to mark it where the ball was, it's about a yard and a half to two yards short. Awful. Awful. You hear me? Awful. If we can't spot the football, how can we officiate the game of football? We can't even spot the football, guys. The headlinesman can't spot the dadgum football. Give me a break. Didn't matter, though. We get the first down. DJ then runs up the middle for nine yards. Great job by the offensive line basically taking those Kentucky players with them into the end zone. Now it's 14-10, and I think everybody at Davis Wade Stadium said, you know what, we're going to be okay. We were panicked a little bit down 10 nothing, even though they'd only been able to put together one sustained drive, and that required a little bit of help from us. But you begin to think, you know, I don't know if these guys can score against us. I don't know that they can. And here's a little bit of a news flash. We're pretty good on defense. You know, we eliminate the big plays. We're really good. It's tough to line up and move the ball against us without our help. And that's been kind of the rub, right? There've been We've always had these, you know, quarters or drives where we kind of disappear a little bit. But um, we didn't on the next one. 14 nothing, and we managed the clock really well. They get the ball back with a minute 34 to go. Complete to Robinson for five. We push him out of bounds. Incomplete to Rig. Charlton all up in his face. Complete to Ali. And then we call timeout. Force a punt on fourth and one. And this is, again, we always talk about why, why does Austin Williams catch it? Why does Jaden Wally not out there all the time? This is one of the reasons why. Good fellow hits a good punt. We choose not to field it, and they down it at our three. You know, if we field that thing, you know, we're at 15, 20, whatever. That was a mistake. Jaden Wally made a mistake. He'll tag you the same. You got to go get the ball. Even if you just go get it and cover it, you got to get it, you know. It's the SEC. And uh, so even though there was, you know, just a little time left, I mean, you're thinking if we get a return there, we got a chance to get on the score and really kind of put some separation between us and them. But instead, we're backed up in the shadow of our own goalpost. We have to give it to Woody. He gets us out a little bit. Then Kentucky begins to use their timeouts. And lo and behold, what happens? Another false start. Third one of the game. Now it's second and 10. We're back at our three. We rush Woody over to the left side for one, another timeout. Then we rush. Woody again for three, call timeout. That's all three timeouts. And Tucker Day, 
Big punt for him under a difficult circumstance. Backed up in his end zone, gets off a 50-yarder. We're just thinking, let's just get that thing out of there. 50-yarder back across midfield. They return it for three. So they set up uh, with just, you know, 37 seconds to go at their 48. But you're thinking, you know, maybe they can get a field goal here. We want to try to avoid that. They're complete to Rodriguez for 12. Now they're on our side of the field, first and 10 at our 40, with time to work. No timeouts. They got to work sidelines. Complete to tight end Isaiah Cummings. Incomplete to Ali. And then they find Wondell Robinson. Again, he's so slippery. 21 yards down to our 14. You're thinking, all right, well, they're going to take a shot at the end zone. If they don't get it, then they'll kick the field goal. Great play. Two plays here. Emmanuel Forbes with the pass breakup. And then Jalen Green, one of the more athletic interceptions you'll ever see. Right at the goal line. They mark him short uh, of the goal line. So it's basically inside the one. But the bottom line is no matter where the ball was spotted there, and I could make the argument that he was out of the end zone, you know, was hoping it'd be a touchback, but I don't really believe that it was. The bottom line is we had the football. We just got to make, you know, we got to get the end zone. And we do. We give it to DJ. He runs hard at the middle. And then we get into the half. And uh, so not a great half, but we're leading 14 to 10. Some things have gone against us. Some of them self-inflicted. Some of them officiating. And give Kentucky a little bit of credit, too. But by and large, they had not done anything offensively. Before that final drive, I think they had 66 yards offense. That's it. I told you guys when we talked about the show, we previewed the, the game. Kentucky didn't do anything against us offensively last year. Those are the things that I go back to. It's like, well, you know, there's this. No, no, no. They didn't do anything last year. And then they go out and get all these transfers. And I had a discussion with a friend of mine yesterday. We're talking about Kentucky. And I don't know if you guys realize this. Mark Stoops is three games over 500 as a head football coach. Three. And other people say, well, you know, you know, they've been patient with Stoops. And they have been. And they've had a couple of good years. But by and large, they've been very average. They've been basically the Mississippi State of the East. But they've lost 10 or 13 games to us. So they're not really – I mean, while it's a competitive series – it's really not. And usually, it's to be honest with you, and I don't care what Kentucky fans think or say, when they beat us, it's a fluky deal. It is. We expect to beat them every year, and we should. We are a better football program. We have a better football coach. We have a better recruiting footprint. But they have not been able to get quarterbacks. I mean, it's kind of they're just kind of living off these transfers. You know, they had Joey Gatewood. He didn't stay. You know, Terry Wilson, junior college guy. He didn't stay. You know, then they go out and get, we'll leave us. You know, it's like, they, and then the kid from Troy they had a couple years ago. It's like, you know, they're trying to get by. They can't identify and develop quarterbacks. So let's go get a plug-and-play guy. And it's not working for them. It's just not. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas. 
is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, let's take a look at this second half. The third quarter, the quarter of the dogs. Of course, we get the ball first. We get the 14-10 lead, and we're all thinking, you know what, if we can get any score right here to give us some separation, we'll feel pretty good. Really wanting to put the ball in the end zone. And had something officiating-wise go against us. Again. All right, so we start, you know, Jaquavius Marks, complete for a yard. Pretty good tackle there in space by Jack West Jones. Complete back to Woody for eight, brings up a third and one. We run DJ off the right side. He gets nine yards, moves the chains. And then there's a false start on Malik Keith. This one's just on Malik. This one's just on him. This is, this is not related to them shouting disconcerting signals or simulating a snap. That's on Malik. Brings up a first and 15. We run DJ over left side for three, and there's a holding call on Charles Cross. And you know what? He absolutely did hold. I thought it was a very obvious call. Uh, Can't be critical of this at all. Now it's first and 25. You're thinking, this is a nightmare for us. We were hoping to come out here in this drive and get some more separation and kind of stack a couple scores together. And now it's first and 25, and we're backed up at our 28. We'll never fear. We're complete to Jaquavius Marks for eight, which gives us a little more room to operate. And then second 17, I thought probably one of the biggest plays uh, in the third quarter was this one. We find Jaden Wiley again, and then Jaden with the first down. It's a 22-yard gain. And we listen, we had kind of been you know, dinking and dunking most of the ball game. This was a big chunk play for us. And you could really see in Kentucky's body language they knew they had let the, you know, let, let the rooster out of, the, out of the, the, the barnyard there, and they were in trouble. Uh, so first and 10 at their 42, we run Woody for four, go back to him for four. We had found something on that right side. 
then we give it back to, to Woody for seven. So three straight gains brings up a first down. We're incomplete to Jameer Calvin. And uh, you know, kind of an interesting play there too. You know, just that's that's the one where a little more air under that and it's going to be a big gain for us off the right side. Kind of similar to the pick that, that Will threw against LSU. Good read, good route. We just didn't quite get it there. And that's what sometimes you've got to throw over defenders. Just didn't quite get it there. Yusef Coker, um, Corker, pardon me, bats the ball down. Probably should have been a pick. So that's something we got to identify. we got to correct. Will Rodgers then complete to Dylan Johnson? And that's one of the things that I made a comment to Mike Nemeth. When, when, they, when they drop a pick like that, you got to let them pay. Well, we do. We go back to DJ, and then there is the personal foul penalty uh, on top of that to get it to the 10. So first and goal at the 10, and then we run. Jaquavius Marks in the end zone to touchdown. Everybody's happy. Wrong. They call Cameron Jones for a hold. You go back and watch that. He absolutely did not hold. They didn't even throw the flag until Marks was well beyond the play and into the end zone. It was a terrible call. Absolutely horrendous call. The Charles Cross call and the obvious holding call. This was not a holding call. This is what we call blocking in football. Hands on the inside, driving a guy away from the play. You know, the better part of football is moving people that don't want to be moved. So that was a bad call. It cost us a touchdown. And then what happens on top of that? Well, then it's a false start on Cole Smith. Again, you notice it's, it's so much of this is on the interior. Now it's first and 25 again for the second time on this drive. Insanity. Two holding calls and two... Uh, BS false start calls. We'll complete the marks for a loss of three. They really blow it up. Now it's second and 28, and then we'll complete to Makai Polk, who gets it down uh, right at the five-yard line, gives us a shot. I did not like the play call here. I don't know if it's a check from Will or it comes from the bench here. We decide to run over the right side, uh, basically a toss play to the short side of the field, and uh, they basically collapse the side there and set the edge for a loss of four yards. So we kicked the field goal. But considering all the things that were against us on this drive, the fact that we get points at all are an absolute miracle. Absolute miracles. Now it's 17 to 10, and I don't know if you guys paid any attention to that, but state that drive, 14 plays, 66 yards, 8 minutes, 26 seconds. We're starting to shorten the game on them a little bit. And again, it's another ball don't lie moment. Rodriguez runs over the right side for one, and then next thing you know, they give it to Rodriguez, and I don't know who the defensive lineman was, but they took the offensive lineman back and sat him in Rodriguez's lap. Rodriguez runs into him and fumbles. Jed Johnson is on it, and I know the commentator is saying, oh, you know, the the handoff was high. The handoff was not high. He didn't get it clean, but it wasn't on Will Levis. It's on Rodriguez, who has had fumble issues throughout the year, runs into his own guys. He's trying to secure the ball. It's on the ground. And Jet Johnson always running to the football. That's the thing that Jet Johnson knows, guys. When you play defense in football, you've got to run to the football. That sounds like a basic concept, but a lot of people don't understand that. If you run hard to the football, you never know what's going to happen. Here's a great situation. Jet's back there probably about to get a TFL, And the ball drops loose, and then he's on the ground, recovers a fumble at their 22. And again, Kentucky, ball don't lie. 
Dylan Johnson runs over to the left side for a loss of two, brings up a second. Twelve, but again, we don't panic. What do we do? We go down the field again to Jaden Wally. Trips down at the one yard line. Thought he was about to get in. And you knew at this point we had him, we had him on the ropes a little bit. We go right back to DJ for a touchdown on a one yard dive there. Extra point is good. It's 24 to 10. And you begin to think, you know what, man, we're about to put this thing away. We just need to get a stop. We've got a little separation. They can't stop us. The officials might be able to stop us, but they can't. Very first play, what happens? Ty Wheat making a big league play right here. He's spying Will Levis. Drops in his own there, gets a big big hand on it. And then Cam Young, one of my favorite players on the team, picks off the carom, returns it five yards. Oh, wait a minute, big fella. When you become a running back? Now, so Kentucky's back-to-back plays is turnovers. And you really feel like, you know what, these guys are not only on the ropes, that they're staggering. A little punch drunk out there now. We go DJ for a run off the left side for a yard. Incomplete, excuse me, complete the poke for six inside the red zone. Brings up a third and five. And what do you know? What do you know? Again, State's got some momentum. State's got Kentucky on skates out there. We got a false start. Got a false start. And we talked about it. Mike Leach talked about it at halftime. And I was told that uh, that was kind of communicated to the officials. And for some reason, they just couldn't figure it out. Just, it kept happening, kept happening, kept happening. Now it's starting 11. And despite the Bush League antics of the Kentucky defensive line and this inept officiating crew, we score anyway. The pass complete to Ra Thomas. And you know what? I'm, I'm, it's probably a good thing they didn't do an expansive review here. Now, one thing I want to say, and I tried to correct some guys in the media room too, every scoring play is reviewed. Everyone. Now, when I see the replay, I don't think there's enough to overturn it. But I'm not 100% sure that he made the catch and then completed it all the way to the ground. Now, he had it, and he goes down, and when he turn o- turns over, it appears there is some movement, but the ball never is rolling free. So, it's a touchdown. And then people are like, well, hey, that should have been a touchdown. You know what? That pun return shouldn't have been a touchdown either. So, I guess that makes us even, right? All right, so, you know, calm down. Calm down. The extra point is good. It's 31-10. This game is over at this point. This football game is over. Because, again, remember, it's 31-10, and the only offense, the only touchdown they have is a BS punt return. Should be 31-3. And even on the field goal drive, there was some shady stuff that happened there. Listen, Mississippi State is decidedly better than Kentucky. And the score is not truly indicative of the difference in these two teams. We talk about the talent differential being expansive one way or another. Mississippi State a lot more talented team than Kentucky. I don't care what their media people say. 10 out of 13. All right, so then we'll leave us complete to Wondell Robinson for seven. They go back to Cavazier Smoke, uh, and he just didn't do much in the ballgame. Run for a couple yards, brings up a third and one. Again, sets up another sneak situation. They move it first and 10. Robinson then pulls one down 18 yards. That guy's really tough to shut down. Rodriguez then runs over the right side for six, complete to Rodriguez for 11 for another first down at our 28. Incomplete to Robinson. They call holding on them. And what's interesting about that is I don't know if, like, Kentucky's offensive line was just wearing down. But if you go back and look at just about any offensive snap in that third quarter, Kentucky's holding, especially on the pass plays, on the edges. They absolutely could not protect without holding. 
and they finally get flagged for it, finally. Brings up a first and 20. Rodriguez then runs at the middle for six to run out the clock. So we enter the fourth quarter with a 31-10 lead. Pretty happy about things, how things have gone at this point, right? Our students are really happy. They went in and said, you know, Steve, it's homecoming. I got a date. I got to get out of here. And listen, I want you guys to stay to the end, and most of you did. But listen, I thought our students were great throughout the ball game. Uh, they do a great job kind of setting the tone for us. And you, Listen, you young people need to understand, you've got a responsibility to this crowd. A lot of people are looking to you guys to see how to act. And not to mention, we need to know when the field goal is good. So uh, you guys do a great job out there. Appreciate everybody turning out. Uh, Going to need that same energy here. We only got two more home games left. We need you guys to be here for that. All right, fourth quarter. And I don't know if you guys realized it at the time. Uh, Kentucky on this drive here, you're down three scores. And you're only going to get the ball one more time after this drive. So it is mathematically impossible to catch up. That's the thing when you have separation and you have a ball control offense. When you need it, you can put games away. So start the fourth quarter, Rodriguez runs for two. And then they go back to Demarcus Harris for 13. And then a little bit of a double move out there, and they beat Jalen Green with Demarcus Harris for a touchdown, his first collegiate touchdown. The extra point is good. Makes it 31-17. Now here's some more silliness. I'm going to try to explain this as best I can. So they get the kickoff to Lou. It takes it on the bounce and then returns it out, um, I guess, to our 40. Is that right? And so Tulu nearly overruns it, and he's trying to balance himself. But here's the deal. Anytime that a waving signal goes above your shoulder, they're going to consider that a fair catch. Now, it worked against us, but I understand the concept behind uh, the call there. And within the spirit of the rule, it's probably not accurate. But if you're a defensive player running down and you see a guy waving his hand, you're going to assume the play is over. And so they didn't catch it on the field. The replay official did. It was not a true fair catch signal. But it meets the definition because of the fact that he is, you know, he's waving his arm. He's trying to balance himself. But you can't assume motive there. So that's the call. It was a bad break for State. That's the reality. It's just a bad, a bad, a bad break for us. We put together a pretty good drive here, even though we don't finish. Well, Rodgers completes Austin Williams for eight, get it out to the 18. Dylan Johnson then runs over the right side for two for first down. Complete to Williams for 13 and another first down. We're already out to our 33. DJ runs up the middle for one. We go back to DJ for five, brings up a third and four. We're incomplete to Tulu Griffin on the fade there, and uh, it was pass interference. And, again, these guys cannot cover. They cannot cover. Because every time we decided to go work outside the numbers, it was P.I. every single time. Every time. Oh, I'm beat. Let me grab and hold. And Tulu caught it. I think he was ruled out of bounds anyway. So that, so they couldn't come back and say it was uncatchable, right? So they flagged 15 yards, first and 10 uh, at their 46. Marks runs over the left side for a loss of one. And then we go back. Will tucks it and goes and uh, slid a little bit early. Uh, they give him six. Then Marks goes up the middle for no gain on third and five. And then we end up having a punt. The worst punt of the night. 16-yard punt. You know, we're trying to just kind of pin him back deep there, and then the ball hits, 
and then <laughs> kicks backwards. We have to go run it down. So we have a 50-yard punt to close out the half, and then we have this one. I mean, it's just not – we're very inconsistent in the punting game. We just are. So Kentucky gets the ball back, 31-17, eight minutes and 30 seconds to go in the game. Complete to Robinson for 12 on a first down. Incomplete to Robinson. DeMonte Russell back there causing some havoc. Incomplete to Smoke. Incomplete to Robinson. And they punt. And they ask Mark Stoops in postgame, why didn't he go for it? He goes, I wasn't ready to quit yet. You know, because there's still, you know, eight minutes to go in the ball game. Why are we going to go right there? Because if we don't make it on fourth and ten, all of a sudden, you know, you're, it's basically a white flag. State gets the ball and, uh, you know, basically – Salts the game away. Seven minutes and 51 seconds to go, and then we never give it back. Now, I'm sure when we filled it at punch, you were all thinking, you know what? We're going to have to give this thing back at some point. You didn't realize then that we're done playing defense. We're done. Absolutely done. We take over at 751. We give it to Woody, who runs up the middle for a yard. Then we're back to Woody on a nice little swing pass that uh, he does a great job. Just fighting for a first down there. Gets the first down at the, at the 35. We go back to J.J. Jernigan for three and then Omni Wells for three. And congratulations to both of those guys for getting a little play in time. Eric Mealy told us we might see Omni Wells this week. Third and four, we go back to Wiley. Big play in the ball game because, it, again, it keeps the clock moving and moves the chains here. Seven-yard gain out near midfield. We run over the right side for no gain. Clock still moving. Second 10, we're completed Jameer Calvin for 11. He runs back across the left side there and uh, gets the first down. Again, just Kentucky kind of powerless to stop us here. We run up the middle for two. Clock still ticking. They take a timeout with 2.26 to go. Think about that for a second. You know, we string together a few plays here, and we've already run over five minutes off the clock. At their 39, at second and eight, we run over the right side for four and uh, go back to Woody on third and four for five, and it's a first down at their 30. They spend another timeout. The game is over at this point. There's a minute 25 to go. We're up a couple scores. You know, it would take, I guess, you know, an absolute miracle right here for those guys. And rather than go into victory formation or run it out, we decide to go. And I'll be honest with you, I absolutely support this decision. And he said, well, see, let's just win the game and get out of here. You know what? I would love to have seen Mississippi State put the ball in the end zone here after all the disconcerting signals and all the kind of nonsense that went along with all that stuff. I think that was an important – I think you got to go make a statement every once in a while. So we throw the fade, and again, they cannot cover. And so they grab and hold, and it's a P.I., uh, gives us first and 10 to the 15, and then we run off the left side, and what he's in the end zone, it's a touchdown, right? Wrong, another holding call. This one not as dubious as the one earlier on Cam Jones, but uh, they, they flag us for holding here, bring it back first and 20, and we still don't go into victory formation. We run Woody twice over the right side and uh, run the clock out. So the final drive of the game, 12 plays, 55 yards, 7 minutes and 51 seconds your bulldogs winners 31 17 with bowl eligibility essentially assured let's take a look at a few numbers here uh state nearly doubles up kentucky on first downs and had uh had maybe the game been officiated correctly they would have done though so 27 first downs for state just 14 for kentucky 
Five for State on first downs come from penalties. Kentucky gifted one on, uh, on one penalty. Uh, they run for 66 yards net. The second lowest rushing total of the year. Only Georgia held them to less. We outrush them 94-66. They throw for 150. We throw for 344. Interesting, you know, everybody talks so much about our average yards of target. Kentucky, 5.4 yards. Ours was 8.8. How about that? How about that? On our completions, 9.6. Pretty good stuff. And Will, just the one touchdown. If I told you guys can go 36 to 39 and throw for 344 yards and say, man, he must have lit up to the end zone. One touchdown. Good job on the ground bar, guys. So total offense, Kentucky held to just 216 yards on 48 plays. Vanderbilt held to 42 plays last week. Kentucky 48 this week. That's when you know you're playing defense. You're getting off the field. 438 yards for State, 74 plays. Really getting some things done. 11 penalties against State, and about half of those were complete nonsense. Kentucky, six penalties for 68, and uh, probably could have flagged them for holding three or four additional times. Uh, Just three punts for us, averaging 37 yards a punt. We had the one for 50, and then, of course, the one for 16. Uh, That hurts the average a little bit. Their punter, 53.7 yards a punt, all of them really good. Did have the uh, 70 yarder, which kind of scaled things up a little bit. But he did have two punts of 50 plus uh, yards. Now, looking at some individual numbers here. Before we move on to that, time of possession in the ball game. You probably saw that Kentucky just 18:50. We had it 41 minutes and 10 seconds. 41 and 10. Seven or 12 on third down for us. Six or 10 for them. Really good job. We allowed two sacks. Did not get a sack. That's something I'm sure Zach Arnett will preach. This week, we had a couple chances to get him, but again, Kentucky offensive line, pretty good job there uh, in pass protection. Look at some individual numbers here. We've already talked about Will Rogers. What else can you say? Great job by him. Uh, Woody Marks runs for 58. DJ runs for 41. Will tag with negative five uh, because of those sacks. But, uh, you know, again, 2.7 yards to carry. Not, not a lot to shout about in that respect, but very effective when we did run. Jaden Wiley, your leading receiver, six grabs, 95 yards. Jaquavius Marks, nine for 57. Makai Polk, five for 51. Austin Williams, four for 32. Ra-Ra Thomas, the one touchdown, his only target of the game, uh, one for 25 yards. And again, a, a little bit questionable, shall we say. Uh, we're not doing a great job of defensive numbers because uh, we're, we're playing such great defense, right? I mean, that's the thing. A lot of these great guys, like Jacquez Jones, had 18 tackles in the game. When you're on the field 41 minutes, you ought to be able to make some tackles. Mississippi State leading tackler was Jet Johnson with nine tackles. Emmanuel Forbes with six. You know, we talked a little bit before about DeCambrion Richardson. Uh, had the one tackle in the ball game. Just You never called his name. They never really challenged him. Uh, State with three pass deflections in the game. Ty Wheat had one. Emmanuel Forbes with two a couple quarterback, uh, three quarterback hurries, uh, you know, for us. So a, a good game for Mississippi State. We miss a field goal, and we still uh, found a way to get some distance here. We had to take a field goal on a drive where the officials took a touchdown away from us. So uh, great game for Mississippi State in many respects, but above all things, the outcome of the ball game. All right, time for the top ten list. Brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's CloseWithBlair.com, as in closing your loan. Maybe you're looking to refinance your mortgage. Maybe you got a little bit 
overextended during the quarantine and you're kind of chasing your tail right now thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to pay all this debt off. Get your equity working for you. Consolidate some debt. Lower your monthly debt to income ratio. Give yourself a chance to put a little money in the bank. And maybe you want to put some things in the house. Maybe you want to put a pool in. Maybe you want to get some renovations done. Maybe you got a wedding to pay for. Still believe in marriage, right? Use CloseTheBlair.com, whether you're looking to refinance your home or purchase a home, whether it be a second home or your primary residence. He's got it. can help you with every bit of that. And this guy's a winner. Like, that's the thing, too. You want to do business with people who are successful. I don't want to deal with somebody that's experimenting. I want to deal with somebody that can get the job done. That's what Blair Chandler will do for you. Been a friend of mine for a long time. 21 years in the mortgage industry in the top 1% close ratio in the country. This is a guy that knows the ins and outs of the mortgage industry. And there's so many fees that are associated with getting a mortgage closed these days. Blair is going to save you some money just because you're part of the Bulldog family. Give him the end, the thumbs up. Say, you know what, Blair, I heard about you on the boneyard, and he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a five to $600 value. It's pretty crazy to think about. If you can't reach Blair at closetheblair.com, and you should be able to, let me give you his personal cell number. A lot of people kind of hide behind their voicemail. You know, it's like, I'll get around to it. You can contact Blair directly. You can text him right now at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. So give him a call today. Let him get you taken care of. Again, that's closedwithblair.com. And be sure to tell him you heard about it on the Boneyard. So I had breakfast with a longtime friend yesterday. And I said, we're talking about the top 10 list and how much they enjoy the top 10 list. I said, why don't you give me a top 10 list? He goes, you know, you hadn't done 80s New Wave. And I haven't. I love 80s New Wave. And there's, that, there was kind of a hodgepodge in many respects. A lot of alternative music was considered New Wave. And uh, there's some other bands, too, that I think um, – maybe showed some diversity that actually did some new wave stuff. And so these are my top 10 new wave songs. You may disagree. You'd be wrong, but you may disagree. You know, I believe new wave has to have like, it's kind of synth based, a lot of synthesizer that type stuff. A lot of one hit wonders also in the eighties new wave era. So here we go. Top 10 new wave songs. According to me, your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, number 10, a band called naked eyes. Had a couple of hits, but we went with always something there to remind me because they, they used the electronic drums. They used the synth. It was all very, very different. Number nine, a song that you guys all know from the Breakfast Club. Don't You Forget About Me by The Simple Minds. Number eight, and I could have, this is a song that I absolutely love and I love. It's been covered a couple times, pretty good versions out there. I think this is the best Tears for Fear song. And it's shout, let it all out. These are the things that I can do without. So come on, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Number seven, this is one that is a timeless track. It's been covered by a few people. Came out, man, in the early 80s, kind of hit the dance scene. It was different from what everybody else had heard. And New Order was one of those bands that had a lot of staying power. But it's the song Blue Monday. It's like seven minutes long, too. So you're going to feel like that you're uh, maybe in a British rave club or something when you hear that. But Blue Monday by New Order is your number seven song. A uh, one-hit wonder, number six, my friend Benny Bruce, who founded the Molly Ringwalds. This is one of his favorite songs. So 
the Molly Ringwalds used to open for us. They had a singer named Byron, and uh, Benny was the guy. Benny had played keyboards in the, I hate to call them a hair metal band, but they were a West Hollywood band called Tough. And then Benny saw the movie The Decline of Western Civilization Part Two by Penelope Spheris. And he went to Hollywood, packed everything he, he had in his little Chevy S10 with a camper shell and drove from Slidell, Louisiana to Hollywood and begged and begged and begged. And Tough finally let him join the band as a keyboard player. When he came back home, put together a band called Reality with a guy named Byron. Then they became uh, Crush UK and then Pencils and Crayons. And then eventually they decided to do just straight 80s covers and became the Molly Ringwalds. This is one of Benny's favorite songs. Benny, I love you. I hadn't talked to you in forever. So this one's for you, buddy. Number six on the list from the group Big Country. It's in a big country. Number five, this has been covered a handful of times too. We go with the original, Gary Newman's Cars. You talk about synth pop, this is the way to go. This this was everywhere. When this song was popular, it was everywhere. Number five, Cars. Number four, another song that you can hear the Molly Ringwalds play. It's I Ran by Flock of Seagulls. A lot of people tried to emulate that hair. just didn't quite work out quite as well. I Ran by the Flock of Seagulls, number four. Now, I believe these last three songs, and every song on here in many respects is timeless, but I believe the final three, not only are they the best ones, I think these are songs in many respects kind of typify the genre in many respects. One of my favorite bands of all time, Depeche Mode, comes in at number three with People Are People, a very, very poignant song that is still relevant today. People Are People. Number two, this video basically swept the MTV Video, video Music Awards. I believe it was the very first Video Music Awards show. The video is groundbreaking, absolutely incredible. Still holds up today. And you guys know the song. It's Take On Me from AHA. And they had a couple of other hits, but that was the one. That's the one everybody knows them from. But number one for me, it's a little bit different. A little bit different. Basically a one-hit wonder. But we talk 80s new wave. We would be remiss if we did not mention Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Tainted Love by Soft Cell. That's number one. That's your 80s new wave list. I know people, well, Steve, you didn't do this one. It's my list. So these are my favorites. No honorable mentions today. Uh, you know, the Cars did some new wave stuff, but uh, I still kind of consider the Cars a rock band. But there you go. That's your top 10. Now, and that's what's happened too is the years have gone on. There are a lot of bands that have been classified new wave that really weren't new wave. I mean, you could put, I guess, Echo and the Bunny Men. Those guys could be in there. Uh, there are a few others. New Order had a lot of those hits. If you're looking for a band that kind of typifies the genre, it's New Order. So there you go. Top 10 80s new wave songs brought to you by the fine folks at CloseOfBlair.com. Okay, let's look around the league here. This segment of the show brought to you by campusbookmart.net. I was there on Saturday. I had a good day, a chance to meet several of you. Sold a lot of books. I want to thank you guys for coming out. The new book will be out very, very soon. Things are happening now. You know, the proofs have been approved. You know, we're in line to print. It, it just takes a long time, longer than I want. I'm ready for this book to be out, ready for you guys to have it in your hands. But you can get all four of my books from campusbookmart.net. So if you're looking to order some Mississippi State merch, you can order and be able to support our local vendor by buying those books through uh, Campus Bookmark. All right, so let's, uh, let's take a look around the league. And also, too, 
before I forget, visit them at campusbookmart.net if you can't make it to town. And let me save you a little money because that's the thing. You listen to the show for free, and then we save you money. It's a great deal. That's the best deal going. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Let's take a look at a very light schedule around the league last weekend. We've already broken down the state Kentucky win, and uh, in case you haven't learned yet, it's just been announced that LaQuinson Sharp, the offensive lineman of the week for the SEC, and Will Rogers, your offensive player of the week. Very well-deserved honors for both. All right, let's see here. Missouri at Vanderbilt, we talked about that game being a lot closer than many people anticipated. You know, Missouri's defense is, is dreadful. They really are. Missouri leads 10-7 after one. And it is a 17-14 ball game at the half. Missouri basically had to put this thing away late. 13 points there in the fourth quarter to win 37-28. Not sure what to expect from Mizzou down the stretch. I mentioned last week how difficult their schedule is. 4-4 four and four now in the league. Vandy 2-7 and seven now officially eliminated. I guess uh, the APR could help them. They're not going to win a game the rest of the year, though. So it's not going to matter. But 2-7 uh, and seven cannot get bowl eligible. 0-5 oh in the league and probably have played their final games that uh, should be of a competitive nature. I mean, I go back and look at this. You know, it's 24-21 entering the fourth quarter and uh, couldn't get it done. Just couldn't get it done. A couple of field goals from Mizzou late gives them a 30-21 to lead, and then Vandy scores, makes it 30-28. Mike Wright with a touchdown pass there uh, late in the ball game, 3-11. Uh, in the ball game, and then uh, Mizzou goes down, puts the game away with a game-clinching touchdown, 37-28. Mike Wright, 14 of 28 in the ball game for three touchdowns and 122 yards. Also ran for 152. Vanderbilt put up some pretty good running numbers. They did, no doubt about it. Connor Bazelak, 22 of 28 for 218 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Beatty, a guy we hadn't talked a lot about this year, ran for 254 yards along with 73, a couple touchdowns on 31 carries. So a uh, pretty good running game for both teams. But again, Mizzou wins. Vandy's out of it. Georgia, Florida. I mentioned on Friday Dan Mullen might be in some trouble, and I don't mean that Dan's in danger of losing his job, but he has certainly lost the fan base there. They get absolutely shelled by Georgia 34-7. It's a 3 nothing ball game late in the second quarter, and you think, hey, you know what? Hey, Florida's in this thing. You know, what's, what's going to happen? Well, what happened was Georgia explodes to end the half and puts up 21 points there in the final couple of minutes. You know, it's 3 nothing, And then you get the fumble, the strip fumble there, very first play. It's a touchdown, 10 nothing, And then they get it back, and it's a, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett throws a touchdown pass, on the first play, 17-0, and then N'Kobe Dean from Horn Lake, Mississippi with a pick six makes it 24 to nothing just before the half. And at that point, the game was over. Uh, they get a field goal in the third quarter to make it 27-0, and then Florida finally scores, makes it 27-7. And I'll be honest with you, I thought they were a little bit too exuberant in their celebration in a ball game that it is clearly decided. And then Zamir White – 
with a with kind of the nail in the coffin, a 42-yard run and score to make it 34-7 in the game's final two minutes. Uh, Dan Mullen still struggling on the quarterback situation. Emory Jones looks to be, you know, maybe the better option after Richardson throws a couple of picks in this ballgame and had the big fumble. Uh, Emory Jones, 10 of 14 for 112 yards. Richardson, 12 of 20 for 82 yards and two picks. They also tried a halfback pass that was unsuccessful. Stetson Bennett, very efficient, 10 of 19, 161 yards, a touchdown and two picks. They're going to have to play JT Daniels, I think, to win the, the whole thing. As good as their defense is, they don't have to have too much offense, and they've got more than enough on the ground. Zamir White, of course, 105 yards, uh, Cook for 46, and then Stetson Bennett, you got to count for him in the running game, too, ran for 35, a long of 20. Pretty good uh, day at the office for the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't think there's any question that they are going to be in Atlanta and possibly playing for a NAFL championship uh, later in the year. One of the more exciting games of the weekend, Ole Miss at Auburn. You know, the big news, I guess, out of that ball game is uh, the health of, of Matt Corral. Let me say this for the record. Uh, I want Ole Miss to lose every game in every sport. I don't ever want to see anybody get injured seriously. And I know there was some, like, some people on social media, you know, Matt Corral went down and was carted off and a lot of panic, of course, in Oxford. But uh, glad that he's okay. No, he's not 100%. But I don't want to see anybody have a season-ending injury those guys work exceptionally hard. And, again, I, I would love to see Ole Miss play with Matt Corral down the stretch and lose every game, including this weekend. But uh, Auburn jumps out early to a 14-3 lead. And Tank Bigsby, man, how good is that guy? I mean, he is exceptional. Probably doesn't get the notoriety he deserves in this league. But, man, a, a great game for him. Bo Nix also making it very difficult with the design quarterback run. And that's what scares me against them, not just the design quarterback run, but the fact that when things break down, Bo Nix can extend plays and allow receivers to work back to him. So 14-3 after one, Ole Miss makes a game of it uh, there in the second, but Jarquez Hunter from the Shoba Central scores late as Auburn matches Ole Miss's point total in the second, 14-14. So it's 28-17 at the break, and then not much offense the rest of the way. Ole Miss tacks on a field goal there in the third quarter to get within eight in one score. And, of course, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin goes for it on fourth down way too many times, ultimately costs the team the ball game. They lose 31-20, and, uh, you know, Matt Corral throws his second pick of the year late to kind of remove all doubt. Corral 21 of 37 in the ball game, 289 yards and one interception. Who do you think had the better ball game over the weekend, Will Rogers and Matt Corral? What's well, Will Rogers, right? Now, Will's not listed as a Heisman candidate. Matt Corral is. And, no, I don't think Matt Corral wins it. I don't think they're done losing ball games. Luke Altmeyer got some action in the ball game when uh, Corral was out 5 of 5 for 18 yards and uh, had a run or two, I guess. But uh, not nothing real substantial. Tank Bigsby, 23 carries, 140 yards. That dog will hunt. Jarquez Hunter, a – Complimentary back to him, 12 carries for 38 with a long of 11. Bo Nix, 22 of 30 for 276 yards and the touchdown. And really kind of spread the ball around pretty good too. Pretty good job in that respect. Uh, Ole Miss down several players. And uh, it's interesting, you know, we had this discussion on Bo Bounds uh, this morning on his show. You know, the better team won. And you can say, well, yeah, but we had all these guys injured. Well, see, that's the thing is, you know, the better teams have better depth. And so if, if you can't win without second teamers sometimes, um, you're not the better team. 
And so Auburn, a good job defensively against Ole Miss in many respects. Uh, Snoop Connor, pretty good ball game. They didn't get him involved enough, I thought, just 10 carries for 47 yards. Parrish, 12 carries, uh, 57 yards. But, uh, again, they kind of spread it around a little bit. Uh, Don Terrio Drummond, a hamstring injury. Is he down? We'll see. You know, Ben Brown, of course, lost for the year for them. And you hate it. You know, I mean, you really do. You hate it for the kids. But uh, you don't hate it for Ole Miss. Uh, they lose now 6-2, and 3-2 two, and two in the SEC. Let's look at some other things before we kind of move on here. Uh, Georgia now 6-0 and oh in the league, 8-0 and oh overall, ranked as the number one team in the country. Kentucky second in the East at 4-2 and two in the league, 6-2 and two overall. They have a lead over Tennessee. They will play Tennessee this weekend. Uh, the University of Florida now fourth in the East and out of it without a question. Uh, Kentucky, of course, loses to Georgia. So essentially Georgia has a three-game lead in the East. Uh, looking at the West, Alabama 4-1 and one in the league, 7-1 and one overall, 3-1 and one for Auburn, and Ole Miss 3-2. and two. Of course, Alabama holds a tiebreaker over Ole Miss. State also 3-2. and two. There is a three-way tie for third place in the SEC West. Your Bulldogs uh, tied with Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Of course, those two play head-to-head. In many respects, State controls their own destiny when it comes to second place. Of course, Alabama holding the tiebreaker over Mississippi State. I don't think that's going to matter. I don't think there will be a tiebreaker necessary to determine uh, the winner of the West. Now, looking at the bottom of the list, LSU 2-3, and 4-4 four and four overall. When we start talking about the ball picture, LSU's not done losing football games, but LSU and Mississippi State could be similarly situated. Now, if State and LSU end the year with the same record and you are a bowl executive, who would you rather have? You can say, well, LSU always travels. Well, that's that's true, but they got a lame duck coach and Mississippi State trending in a more positive direction. I believe if State and LSU end up with the same record, that State will get the nod over LSU. And some people are kind of looking at your radio and can say, yeah, Steve, I don't know. LSU will still support them. I just think ticket sales will be somewhat mitigated as LSU is probably going to be in a mid-tier bowl game. And I just don't think they're going to turn out and go. People love to go watch the Tigers play, but – they're not done losing games. Arkansas is currently last in the SEC West. They were the talk of college football here a couple weeks ago after beating Texas and Texas A&M. One and three in the conference and five and three overall. Would you trade our five and three for their five and three? Well, I would not. And you can say, well, you know, it's difficult to really assess teams based on like opponents. And there haven't been very many of those. But let's look at Arkansas's wins. You know, they beat Rice early on. 38-17. They beat Texas, and Texas, of course, has kind of come back to reality. Arkansas beats Georgia Southern. They beat A&M, a very different A&M team now. If State and A&M play today, you know, I don't, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I do know that if A&M and Arkansas play today, I would certainly pick A&M. Uh, Georgia destroys Arkansas, and then, of course, Ole Miss survives them with a 52-51 win, and then Auburn beats them 38-23. Pretty good ball game for a while, and then Bo Nix takes over. And then they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff 45-3. So if you're looking at the wins, you know, where's the quality win for Arkansas? What's this Texas A&M? It's the same team that Mississippi State has defeated. And you say, well, Texas was a good win. Well, it was at the time, not so much now. Those are the things you begin to kind of look at. Uh, Texas 4-4 four and four on the year. So, you know, what, what, it was a great win at the time because they were ranked 15th. And so 
I would suggest the quality of the wins for Mississippi State slightly better. And we're going to go up there and play. It's going to be a difficult environment. It is an afternoon game, which I think helps us. You know, people don't have all day to party and get there and have a good time. So if you're thinking about going, please turn out. The Bulldogs will need you to be there. But, again, I like where Mississippi State sits more so uh, than where Arkansas sits. Let's look at some statistics, too, while we're here and uh, can kind of move on from there. A couple things I want to talk about, like about one of our more recent trips to Arkansas. Will Rogers currently leads the SEC in passing 2,890 yards. Second on the list is Bryce Young at 2,453. Matt Corral, who in many respects was kind of the toast of the SEC for a while, 2,202 yards. So nearly nearly 700-yard difference between Will and Matt Corral. And uh, Matt have a chance to pad the stats this week against Liberty, but we'll see how things progress. Connor Basilek now fourth in the league, and LSU's Max Johnson fifth at 2009. Your leading rusher, Tyler Beatty from Missouri after that huge ball game this weekend against Vanderbilt. And then Chris Rodriguez, a guy at Mississippi State, did a really good job against last weekend, 809 yards on the year. So it was not – you know, that's the thing you begin to look at this. You know, State has already played some of the better backs in this league, Chris Rodriguez, Isaiah Spiller, and Brian Robinson. They will face Tank Bigsby later in the year. Leading receiver in the league, we'll see this weekend, Traylon Burks. Uh, some people believe that he is a potential first-rounder. That's probably true. Jamison Williams, a transfer from Ohio State, out of Alabama, 710 yards. Don Terrio Drummond, leading receiver for Ole Miss, 658 yards, and uh, a little bit banged up. Wondell Robinson State faced him, now 645. Uh, your leading Bulldog, Makai Polk, is fifth with 603 yards. So, uh, well represented there. Uh, leading sackers, Sam Williams from Ole Miss, uh, having a good year. Nine sacks for him. Will Anderson, a guy that victimized Mississippi State, also with nine. Uh, Florida got a couple guys in there. Tyree Johnson, of course, uh, from A&M, tied for third as well. All right, let's look a little bit deeper here, uh, looking at some of these numbers. Interceptions. Jalen Foster from South Carolina leads the league with five. Emmanuel Forbes with three. Of course, he dropped one uh, over the weekend. Emmanuel Forbes also, uh, you know, one of those guys, too, doing some pretty big things, you know, for Mississippi State. Looking at tacklers, Demond Clark from LSU leading the league with 99 tackles. How crazy is that? 99 tackles already. Uh, Demond Clark, you certainly should expect him to be on the all-SEC list. The number two tackler in the league state, we'll see him this weekend. Bumper Pool, arguably one of the best names in the country, had 20 tackles against Mississippi State last year in that ballgame. Jacoby McLean from Auburn is third. And, of course, Jalen Foster, certainly an all-SEC, probable all-American pick. Jalen Foster with 65 tackles to go along uh, with those five interceptions. Also has a couple of forced fumbles to his credit. Uh, DeAndre Square, we saw him this past weekend, very active player for them. Uh, we were able to survive that and get the win. So your leading Bulldog is Grant, uh, excuse me, Jad Johnson, tied for ninth in the league with 59 tackles. And remember, he did not start the year uh, as a starter. Uh, Jack West Jones, former Ole Miss Rebel at Kentucky, of course, 18 tackles over the weekend, moves him into the top 10 with 61 tackles. And so a lot of guys out there doing some good things. Your Bulldog's kind of right in the thick of it. Be interesting to see how people handle the all-SEC quarterback. If Will Rogers continues on his pace, is Will Rogers your all-SEC first-team quarterback? That's going to be an interesting decision. Do you, do you say, well, he's a product of the system. You know, he's still doing it. And he's not doing it with the benefit of a, a power running game. So those are things to kind of consider 
as we move forward. But uh, Will Rogers doing some things and rewriting the Bulldog record books now surpassed Dak Prescott with single-season completions uh, over the weekend. So a lot of good things happening. Uh, need a good ball game this weekend. I know Arkansas is favored in the ball game. I, I, you know, I'm not a better. I quit doing that years ago. I think that's free money. I think Mississippi State's going to win that ball game. And the fact that Arkansas is favored is kind of a surprise to me. One of the things I want to talk about today is uh, some of our one of our trips to Arkansas in recent years. This segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Our friend Brooks Bryan, part of a great group that's brought this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Brooks is a guy that's invested in Mississippi State and in making Starkville a better place. Portico, a great place to live. 1.1 miles from the Mississippi State campus. Very easy access to 82 and 25. You're right there just off the interchange. So you take that turn off 82 on the 12. The very first right is Pat Station Road. You cross over all West Point Road. Boom, you're at Portico. You're within shooting distance of the Walmart neighborhood market. So you don't always have to go fight all that traffic or take the bypass to get to the big Walmart. If you forget to pick up a loaf of bread or a container of milk or a stick of butter, you can swing through there and get that on your way home. Whether it be your primary residence, perhaps an investment property, or just your ballgame weekend retreat, Portico has a place for you. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, uh, really a home for just about any size family. The great walking trail there, and here's the cool thing too. Now, you can't move in today, okay, because phase one's completely sold out. But you can go ahead because some of the lots in phase two have already been purchased, but there are still several available for purchase. And because of the fact, if you're getting in now, you can have a say in how the home is built. How many times do you move in somewhere and say, I like everything but this? Well, that's the thing. They've got these floor plans laid out. You can kind of pick and choose what you want your home to look at for the most part. So give Brooks Bryan a call today. You'll be glad you did. Brooks, a diamond dog, man, got some great bulldog stories. And also, I mean, just a great guy. Brooks is a great friend. And uh, it's not just because I'm so cool. Brooks is just kind of nice to everybody. He'll be your friend too. Give him a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. I want to talk a little bit today about one of my favorite Bulldogs of this generation. It's Nico Whitley. Had a chance to cover Nico in high school. Great guy. As a matter of fact, I was at the game when Provine played Callaway. The final play of the first half, a guy goes low on Nico, hits him in the knee, tears his ACL. We wondered at that point if they were going to honor the scholarship. Dan Mullen is hired. The very first visit Dan Mullen makes is to go see Nico Whitley. Miss Dedger Whitley, meet, they all meet at the high school and uh, just assured them, hey, we're going to stick by you. We believe in you. You're a great player. And so Dan Mullen, in many respects, kind of saved Nico Whitley. And so when we got to the 2013 season, there was some expectations on this program. We expected Tyler Russell to have a big year. Felt really good about our defense. But it was a difficult year. It was a very difficult year. Nico Whitley, Kendrick Market, and Justin Malone all get hurt in the opening game against Oklahoma State. And that was a ball game, too, that a lot of people thought, you know, we shouldn't be playing that game. We need that non-conference win to get to a bowl game. And uh, Scott Strickland said in hindsight, probably shouldn't have played the game. Probably should have signed a different contract. But uh, the reality of it is we did play and we lose. And so not only did we lose the ball game, we lost some players for the year. Nico has a partial tear of the ACL. 
walks off the field, gets a brace put on, continues to play, plays the rest of the year uh, with the torn ACL. Now, Nico, of course, uh, part of Stark Villains, I interviewed him about this season and specifically about the 2013 Egg Bowl. But this was a year that was very important to him because he wanted to be part of the team that extended the bowl streak. He was a senior. He was determined that it wasn't going to end on his watch. Now, Tyler Russell gets banged up in that first game, too. Dak Prescott ends up having to play against Alcorn State. We win 51-7. We go on the road at Auburn. We lose 24-20. And had Dak tucked it and run for a first down, we win that ball game. But we didn't. We lose. Should have won. But we didn't. Then we blast Troy, 62-7. We get absolutely destroyed by OSU, 59-26. We narrowly escape with the winner of a Bowling Green, 21-20. We beat a pretty you know, spry Kentucky team that year, 28-22. And so all of a sudden, we're 3-3 three and three at the halfway spot. You think, okay, we got to find a way to get us three more. We go on the road and play at South Carolina, and that's a weekend that Peggy Prescott died. Very difficult week for our, our Bulldog family. And our young quarterback, Dak Prescott, has one of the worst games of his career. And little did we know that was hanging over his head. We lose the ball game at number 14, South Carolina, 34-16. Dak goes to the funeral, misses, I think, one practice or two practices, comes back, plays against A&M, Johnny Manziel's swan song at College Station, and had we been able to make a special teams tackle or two, we probably win this ball game. We lose 51-41. And you may recall, there were dozens of tweets from players around the SEC, a lot of them from A&M players, talking about what a warrior Dak Prescott was. And Dak also injures his shoulder in the game. Couldn't even lift his hand up over his head. And so we're now 3-5, and five, headed to number one Alabama. Tyler Russell comes in and we plays, and uh, really, really admirable. Tyler was broken up, still elected to go play in the ball game. We lose twenty to seven. Very, very competitive game. Uh, we had a chance. We had a chance to hit Bear Wilson for a touchdown, and he, and he just, you know, missed the football. Played a lot better than people anticipated. So now we're four and six with two to play. And we're getting ready to go to Arkansas. And at this point, we had never won a game in the state of Arkansas. Never in our history. We haven't played Arkansas a whole lot. They just joined the league in 92. But we had never won a football game in the the state of Arkansas. And so we're going to have to do something we've never done before and then beat Ole Miss, who was a really good team that year. And so we're getting ready to go play Arkansas. And Arkansas had on these uh, gray uniforms. It's kind of a weird look for them. And before we know it, we're in trouble. They go down and, uh, you know, basically drive right down the field against us, and we just couldn't do a whole lot to stop them early on. So Arkansas rolls down the field, doesn't have a negative play on the drive, and then it's pretty crazy how it all works out here. Uh, Javante Herndon comes on basically an end around, kind of a jet sweep action, and they score, and they're up 7 nothing. So we end the first quarter, you know, 7 nothing, and we just struggle to get anything going offensively. Just really couldn't get anything going. And then Arkansas goes down and hits a 54-yard field goal to go up 10-0. Uh, pretty good drive there for them, 10 plays, 47 yards. 
uh, takes 4.07 off the clock. And, uh, you know, it just kind of felt like it wasn't going to be our day. We drive down the field ourselves and get a field goal from Devin Bell to make it 10-3. So now we're in the game, and then Arkansas drives down, and they decide to go for it. Pretty interesting deal. They decide to go for it on their side of the field. It's some, I don't know if a Lane Kiffin thing rolled in or whatever, but Alex Collins goes for one, then runs for one, and then Alex Collins goes for six, and it brings up a fourth and two with the Arkansas 44. They go for it, and then Nico Autry knives through and gets a tackle for loss. So it sets us up in pretty good position. And then it takes, takes three plays, and Tyler Russell hits a wide-open Ladarius Perkins who got absolutely destroyed at the goal line, but he lays out, makes the score, and it's a 10-10 deal. We begin to make some things happen, get into the half at 10-10. You're thinking, okay, we've survived the storm here, and now we've got a chance to kind of put some things away here. So we had a chance to drive down and, and be up before the, uh, the half, and then Derek Milton fumbled first and goal at the five with a minute 48 to go in the half. Derek Milton kind of fumbled going in. They covered at the Arkansas two. And so we get into the half 10-10. So, again, it felt like we had some juice here. Just couldn't get it done. Just couldn't get it done. So we get the ball first in the second half. We drive down the field, and then we miss a field goal. All right, so it's like we've survived this 10-0 storm. We've tied it. We fumble inside the five, and we miss a field goal. You're thinking, you know what, it's just not our day. It's not going to be our day. But you look up, and you know what, it's 10-10. It's a 10-10 deal. Then we get the ball back after we get a stop and we throw a pick. And again, this doesn't feel like our day. Arkansas takes full advantage. They drive right down the field, and then they run this Julian Horton play, and he gets a 22-yard touchdown off the left side. It's 17-10, to 10, and it just kind of felt like we had let these guys hang around. They were not a good team at all. Had not won a conference game. But we didn't quit. We didn't quit, despite the fact we had some things go against us and we're playing, you know, Tyler Russell, a guy it was a warrior for us, but um, he's broken up. And so Tyler drives us down the field, and we hit a touchdown pass to Jamion Lewis in the red zone. Tie the game up on the extra point. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's just kind of a crazy deal. You know, it's like we're, our quarterback room was in such disarray because of injury. And, of course, we had to start Damian Williams, you know, in the, uh, in the Egg Bowl. Bulldog defense makes it stand up. But here's the deal, and I want to get back to this Nico Whitley thing. And so Arkansas is driving down the field midway through the fourth quarter, a chance to, to take a late lead against us. And Alex Collins, future NFL guy, is just running all over us. Runs for 22. Nico runs him out of bounds. Runs for six. Beniquez Brown with a tackle. And then they hit a big pass to Jeremy Sprinkle, a guy that we recruited. And we were leading for Jeremy Sprinkle until Arkansas offered. He is an Arkansas kid. So uh, you may remember he was the guy that got in trouble for shoplifting uh, at the Belk Bowl for Arkansas. That's him. It's a shame that's his legacy, but it is. Nico Whitley runs him out of bounds there. First and 10 from our 12. They got a chance sees momentum, Alex Collins runs, and Nico Whitley strips it and recovers it at the Bulldog 9. So we have thwarted their late drive. We have a chance now in a tie ball game, 17-17, to go down and score 
and put the game away. Tyler Russell orchestrates a really nice drive for us, 15 plays, 66 yards. Josh Robinson goes for six. Tyler runs for eight to get the first down. Incomplete to Josh. Complete to Jamion for 12. Now we're, now we're rolling, right? We call timeout with 3.34 to go. Back to Jamion for seven. Josh Robinson, the, the bowling ball. Little known fact, I gave him that nickname. I wrote about him after watching him play against Salmon High School. And I said, tackling this kid is like trying to tackle a grease bowling ball rolling downhill. And it stuck. And, yeah, I'm going to take credit for that. Other people are like, oh, no, no, that was me. I did that. And I'll say it. It's my show. So we go back to the bowling ball, 14 yards. Now to the Arkansas 44. We swing it out to Josh for eight. Now we're down to the 36. You think we're in field goal range. We're doing a pretty good job here. Josh runs for four. We're trying to bleed the clock down, kick a late field goal. Then Josh loses a yard on first and 10. But it's second 11 with a minute and 18 to go. We call timeout. We're complete to Malcolm Johnson to the 17. We're fixing to put this thing away, right? Josh loses three. Arkansas calls timeout with 56 seconds to go. Then there is a false start on Gabe Jackson. Backs a sub five. And then there's an OPI called against Deronye Wilson. Wow. What a huge play. What a huge play. Makes it second and 33 at the 40. Then we're incomplete to Malcolm Johnson. And Tyler Russell gets absolutely destroyed on this play. Absolutely. Demarcus Hodge comes through. Tyler's full extension trying to deliver the pass. He takes a shot, that injured shoulder. Last play he ever played for Mississippi State. Last play. Trying to lead us down on a game-winning drive. They call timeout. Devin Bell, goal. Devin Bell attempts a 42-yard field goal. We miss it. Second miss of the day. With 18 seconds to go, could have been the game winner. Arkansas runs the clock out. It's overtime. Arkansas wins the toss, elects to go on defense first. Damian Williams, the very first play of overtime. We run a quarterback keeper. He goes 25 yards for the touchdown. Absolutely insane. We make the extra point. And now it's time to go. Now it's time to get after it. we got to go make a stop, right? And you just go back and think, you know, number one, we have the lead. And, you know, for the first time in forever, you know, it's like, I don't know that we ever led in the ball game. We never led in this ball game. At any point did we lead until we got the lead in overtime. And that's counting the fumble inside the five and two missed field goals. I mean, you know, that's 13 points we leave on the field. Pretty insane. But Damian Williams scores, and we think, okay, we just need to get a stop. And then ultimately we do. And it's Tevez Calhoun on a fourth and nine, steps in front of a Brandon Allen pass, picks it off, didn't go down, ran for a while, nearly took it back for the score, but we win. For our first ever win in the state of Arkansas. And so we win the ball game, and now we're five and six and keeping our hopes alive. And, of course, you know what happened in a 2013 Egg Bowl. That's what uh, Wallacing became the social media trend. And you know who it was that stripped that ball out? That's right, it's Nico Whitley. Nico Whitley, a hero to Mississippi State football, and in many respects, saved Dan Mullen. 2013 was a transition year for us because of the injuries. We should have been a really good team that year. We ended up being 6-6, six and six, and then we, of course, destroyed Rice with that, a healthy Dak Prescott in Liberty Bowl. So we end the year 7-6, and six, and then 2014, of course, we um, 
you know, had one of the greatest years in our, our school's history. But what happens if Nico Willie doesn't strip that ball against Arkansas? What happens if Nico Willie doesn't strip that ball against Ole Miss? And you know what happened as soon as the Ole Miss game was over? Nico Whitley, now that he knew that we were bow eligible, went ahead and had the ACL surgery. He had played the entire year with a partially torn ACL. He said, I just wanted to get us to a bowl game. I knew I wasn't going to play in a bowl game, but I just wanted our guys to be able to go. I wanted our fans to be able to have one more bowl game, and I didn't want to be one of those seniors that saw the bowl streak end on my watch. And I think that says a lot about him. I'm very grateful to Nico and his family for his contributions to Mississippi State. Nico, you can find Nico these days. Nico is a, is a rapper, believe it or not, uh, living out in Atlanta. You can find his uh, music online. And a uh, pretty talented guy, as a matter of fact. And if you knew Nico back then, you'd be a little bit surprised because he was very soft-spoken. But uh, had a great chance to talk and catch up with him. He will always be one of my favorite Bulldogs. And I uh, wanted to take that trip down memory lane with you today. It's sponsored by Portico. You'll be uh, – be very grateful. Go back and watch that ball game. And, and even though it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great game between two great teams, it was a really good game between two teams that uh, needed some things to feel good about. Mississippi State, of course, wins the ball game. And uh, really, in many respects, we go back to Dan Mullen kind of saving Nico, you know, by honoring the scholarship. And then late in the year, as a senior in 2013, Nico Whitley, in many respects, kind of saved Dan Mullen. We didn't have to make any major changes on staff. Uh, Dan, you know, wasn't really on the hot seat. And so we had some juice going in. We ended the year with a three-game winning streak. And then Dak became Dak. Pretty crazy how it all works. So there you go. There's your trip down memory lane brought to you by Portico. And again, Nico Whitley, thank you for your contributions to Mississippi State. And best of luck in your music career. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpiledabook.com, pre-order the book. You'll be glad you did. That way you ensure you get one. The book is being printed now. It's been to printer. There's so many things that go on. It's a long process. Uh, should have a release date here for you, hopefully next time we get together. But the uh, the proofs have been approved and all that kind of stuff. Now we're in line to print, and they'll print it and bind it, and they'll ship it. And uh, So this should be release month here in November. And uh, they've committed to making sure we get the books in plenty of time for Christmas. So we'll get that taken care of for you. That's going to do it for today's show. I will be at Mistletoe Marketplace Wednesday night in Jackson and then all day Thursday, and then I'll board the car to, uh, to Arkansas on Friday. So it'll be a busy week. So what I will do for you guys is, uh, you know, the Friday show, we'll get that recorded uh, before we leave for Arkansas, right? So you're not going to be out of anything. You're not going to miss any shows. Busy week for me, but you're not going to miss anything. I know you love me. I love you too. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can be like my friend Blair Chandler and order yourself a Stark Villain hoodie. You should. They look great. Good quality. It's cold weather, too. Go to StarkVillains.com to get all of your Stark Villain merchandise needs. That's going to do it for today. We'll see you next time. Until next time, let's live our lives. How did I mess that up? I say that thousands of times a year. Let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies. And people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.